Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. The title of my sermon today is I Will Survive Any Storm. I Will Survive Any Storm. Early this morning, let's go ahead and say that together. Let's get our faith activated. One, two, three. I will survive any storm. Let's remind God of His promises today, and let's remind the devil that He's defeated. I will survive any storm. You see, when I was in high school and I was in youth group, we used to go and canoe uh, on a, a river in Louisiana, and uh, the river was called Whiskey Chitta, I believe. Um, don't say that too fast or too slow. Not cussing, it's Louisiana Cajun talk. And me and a friend of mine got into a canoe, and we had just put our canoes in the water. We just put um, our coolers and uh, the the rinky-dink, uh, terrible um, life preservers that they give you uh, that have holes in them and are already wet when you get them. Um, we put those in there, and there was like 20, 30 canoes, and we all pushed off. And just like any goofy high school kid, we flipped ours over immediately. And ours goes sideways, and both of us go opposite ways. Our cooler starts floating. Uh, the life preservers start sinking. Um, for those who don't know or have never heard me preach, more than likely I have referenced that I do not really know how to swim. I'm not good at swimming and usually end up at the bottom of any pool um, looking up, asking God, is this it? Is this the time? Um, and somehow we get, we get saved every time. And as I am sinking to the bottom, looking up underwater, asking God once again at a very young age, but knowing this prayer very, very easily, God, is this it? Is this the way we go? And I hear somebody yelling, and it's my youth pastor and the rest of the youth group saying, stand up. Now, depending on how embarrassed I want to be in this story, I was going to tell you how high that water is. We'll meet in the middle and say it was at my chest level or belly button level. And as I come out of that water as a drowned rat, looking at all of our youth group laughing and pointing as I'm wading down the river to just grab my ice chest and just walk back into the canoe, I thought, well, if I survived another one, God, until me and water meet again. Today, I want to talk about a passage of Scripture that will show us and teach us how to survive any storm in our lives. This is a set of truths that I stand by and my family stands by. I, I, I didn't uh, find this message off the back of a, a milk carton or um, cocoa pebbles cereal box. These are truths that I've walked through and I've used in my life to help me get through storms in my life. The passage we're going to be reading is Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23, ending in verse 27. It's a story that we've heard before. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23, now when he, being Jesus, got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great storm arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with water. But he, being Jesus, was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. How many have prayed that prayer before? Anytime I'm in water, I pray this exact prayer. 
But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose, rebuked the winds and the seas, and there was a great calm. Verse 27, So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? The first truth that we have in this passage on how to survive any storm is that we need to evaluate the storm. We've got to take a step back when a storm hits and figure out what is this and what's going on in my life. You see, this storm arose and it says that all of the disciples all of a sudden went into a great panic and thinking that they were going to die. But at least three of these disciples were fishermen who had been on that same body of water many, many times. So you would have, think, you would have thought at that time that you would have read the story and some of these disciples would have said, it's okay, we've been through this storm before, it's not that big of a deal, we'll get to the other side. But how massive of this suddenly storm to show up in their lives where even the most solid person who has gone through storms, all of a sudden is freaking out. When we recognize that we're in a storm, we need to evaluate to understand how to fight it, how to survive it, and especially how to overcome it. We see in this passage that it says suddenly, a suddenly storm just showed up and blew through their boat. A couple of questions that I usually ask when I find myself in the middle of a storm or something happening in my life is, who is this storm affecting? Is it affecting me? Am I being attacked in some way? Am I going through something? Or is it just affecting somebody in my circle of influence? Is it affecting my spouse? Is it affecting my kids, my immediate family, my church family? Let's evaluate where this storm is coming from and who's it's affecting. Because there's sometimes in life where we get all caught up in somebody else's storm that we shouldn't even be going through. That we're caught up all in the drama and we're drowning. And if you would just take a step back, you would say, and just stand up, you would find out that the water really isn't that deep and it's not really affecting or supposed to affect you. Is the storm affecting you? Is it affecting your life circle or is it affecting the world? 2020, we see these suddenly storms that aren't just affecting me. It's not just affecting my family. It's not just affecting my city. It's not even affecting my state. It's not even affecting the nation. It's affecting the whole world. Other questions that we asked when we're going through a storm. Did I cause this storm? Uh-oh. A little self-evaluation that we take a look inside and find out when this storm is raging and happening in your life, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Did I cause this storm? If I decide today after church that I need more money and I go to the nearest bank, and they're probably closed today, but let's say I'm a very, very good bank thief, I've got some C4 in my car and put it on the back where I figured, because I've seen the schematics of the bank when I went to the library before I got here of where that bank vault was going to be, learned how to cut the power, put the C4 on the wall, blew it up, took the money, 
And as soon as I walk out the bank, because I forgot the alarm is silent, and get arrested and end up in jail in the next two to three hours, should I in that moment say, well, Satan's just attacking me today. He is, he is out to get me. That thief is stealing and killing and destroying. No, it's the storm happened because of me, because of something that I was doing. I was being an idiot. If I decided for the rest of my life to go buy one of those McDonald's soft serve ice cream machines, one that does work, and also go get that pink liquid they make the chicken nuggets out of and eat that for the rest of my life, chances are my health would not improve. And then to stand there and say, well, the devil is just destroying my health. Well, no. Yes, God is still gracious and he can still help you in that storm, but we've got to take a step back when a storm's happening and say, am I being the idiot here? Am I causing the issues that could just stop everything? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we know this scripture, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That scripture right there tells us that it takes work to sin. I don't go to work and not expect to get paid. Sin, it takes work and effort over and over and over again. And then those wages come in and it's death. Look at this scripture. I think we have it on the screen. 1 Timothy 5.24. Some men's sins are clearly evident. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know that. Pressing them to judgment. But some of those men follow later. We just have to understand and take some self-evaluation. As pastors, we stand up here and say, don't sin. Just don't do it. It would be a lot better to not do it. But if you do, there's a free gift of grace that is there to help you during your storm. Was this storm out of my control, a suddenly moment? Or is the devil causing it? Yes, the devil can still do works in this earth. John 10.10, we know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So when a storm is attacking you or your family or something in your life, take a step back and think, well, is this stealing, killing, or trying to destroy me? Then chances are it's the devil, and now I know how to attack it and rebuke it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's playing the same game that he's always played. And once you step into one of those devices as a kid or as a young adult, hopefully you're not stepping in the same pile over and over again. Oh, well, I stepped in that yesterday. All right, let's do that again. No, no, no. We get, we get understanding of his devices and we can avoid them. Kind of the last question I have when it comes to evaluating the storm, as we see in this passage, is what is the damage or what is the storm attacking? First, we've got to figure out, is this storm even attacking me? Is, it, is, it, is this storm affecting my family, my spouse? What, what's it attacking? We've got to figure out what's, what's causing it. Am I, am I the one that did it? Oh, it's, is it the devil? Or is it just some suddenly thing that showed up? that I've got to fight and I've got to come against. 
And then like we see in this passage where the boat is taking on water, the boat is falling apart, the boat is sinking, we see the damage that's happening. The disciples say, do you care? We're dying here. We know that when we evaluate the storm, then we can probably find how to attack it. Talking about the New Orleans Saints or even any type of military person, whenever football, the coaches, they come together, we hope, in, in a lot of our teams, it doesn't appear that our coaches are coming together to figure out a game plan on how to attack the enemy. Looking at you, Cowboy fans. Looking at me, LSU fans and Saints fans. That coaches come together and they say, this is the enemy. What are their strengths? What are they doing? And how can we attack it? And how can we defeat them? Same thing when it comes to generals in the army. They say, this is the enemy. What is the, the best route that they do? What's the plan that they do? What, what, what's the tactics that they use? And now we're going to use whatever we have that is stronger than what they have to attack them, not only attack them, but defeat them, not only defeat them, but get them off the map. You need to evaluate the storm that you're in so you can attack and gain the victory over it. We can use the Bible as our weapon of warfare if our health is being attacked, if a relationship is being attacked, if our finances are being attacked, if something from the outside world is coming against us, if the devil's coming against us, we have the playbook now that we've evaluated what's happening to us to now go on the offensive and attack. Because your word is hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The next truth that we have is you need to use your voice, your voice. We see in this passage people's voice, Jesus' voice being used several times. Because I, I as I study the Scriptures, as, as I have my own walk with the Lord, I, I like some steps. I, I like some understanding. I, I, I like some, uh, some guidelines of doing this and, and trying to figure out some, some steps that I can apply to my everyday life to help me on my walk with God. And so many times we as pastors at the church, we always encourage life and death is in the power of the tongue. Yes, it is, but what, what should my tongue be saying? Who should I be talking to? What should I be talking about? And we see in this passage some ways that Jesus uses His voice and hopefully will encourage you if you're in the middle of the storm or going through something on how to use your voice. Number one, the obvious answer is always Jesus. Obviously, we should talk to Jesus. The disciples go run to Jesus and their prayer is a little dramatic. Can't blame them. I've been drowning before. I understand. That they, they come to Jesus and they're screaming at Him. And imagine Jesus opening His eyes and seeing these wet, drowning rats of disciples covered in, in water and buckets and the chaos that is happening around Him. And they scream this crazy thing, do you not care that we're perishing? And Jesus does correct their faith, but I also love where he's, He doesn't say, why are you being dramatic in your prayer? What? Why are you talking to me like that? What? Hold on. Let's, let's start over. Bring your voice down. Calm down. Get on your knees. 
Put your hands together. Let's pray appropriately and let's not. But sometimes in the middle of the storm, we don't have time for that. It's Jesus, I need you and I need you now. And I love that Jesus doesn't critique their prayers at the time, doesn't laugh at their prayers, doesn't make fun of them. God, get a load of these guys. He reacts and he moves and he brings teaching and correction to them. Another way to use your voice is to talk to your fears and your worry. Look at what Jesus says in verse 26. Why are you fearful? One of the best questions probably in 2020 that we need to be asking ourselves in all of our lives. In the middle of the storm, in the middle of something happening, your mind races and, is, and usually is irrational, and if you're like me, goes to the worst scenario. I've got scenario A through Z of how it's going to happen, and scenario M is the worst one, and that's the one I dwell on. I felt something in my back. I felt something in my neck. I have a cough. And then the only scenario we go to is WebMD, and the first one is death. Okay, well, that's, here we go. But Jesus shows us in the middle of a storm that we need to be talking to our fears, talking to those, oh, no, 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 we're not, we've got to call those out, we've got to bring those attention. God, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing fear in this moment. Why are we experiencing it? Because you're the God of perfect peace. You're the God who cast out fear with your perfect love. Another way to use your voice in the middle of the storm is talk to that storm. Start using the authority that Jesus has given you and rebuking it. And the last one we have of using your voice is worship. We see the disciples, it says at the very end, they stand in amazement. They say, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey and listen. That in the middle of the storm, when you need a miracle, when you need God to show up and He shows up, is the moment you say, who is this man that died for my sins, that was buried in a tomb and rose again? Who is this man who took stripes on his back so that by those stripes I can be healed? Who is this man who became poor so that I could experience riches? Who is this man who took on death so that I could have life and eternal life at that? We've got to learn to use our voice in a specific way in those storms. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9-12, through 12, Paul is talking about comparing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. In verse 9 he says, For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, then the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more. That's what you're living in right now, the ministry of righteousness with so much more glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Look at verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we use great boldness of speech. Family, do you know the power in your voice? Do you know that your voice is a chain breaker? Do you know in your voice is a storm stopper? Do you know in your voice it's a life giver? Do you know in your voice it's a devil rebuker? 
Do you know in your voice, 2 Corinthians, it says that we are a fragrance diffuser. Thanks be to God who gives us the triumph and the victory in all things that we get the opportunity to diffuse the fragrance of Jesus everywhere we go. How do we do that? We do that in our actions by walking around and just being a light. And you can also diffuse that fragrance of Jesus in the middle of your storm by talking about Him. By letting your storm know who He is. By letting your fears and your failures and your anxiety know who's on your side and who's in your boat. By understanding that whatever storm is happening, you have the power and the authority and the responsibility as a mini-Christ on this earth to diffuse those storms everywhere you go. The next truth we have is follow the peace out of the storm. In Mark chapter 4, verse 39, we have another version of the story. It says, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Peace be still. That in my life, when something is happening, and I feel that ugh in my tummy, and I said, well, I haven't eaten any tacos today, so it's got to be something, something else. When there's a decision that has to be made, do I go left, do I go right? I always take a step back, and I say, where's the peace? And wherever the peace is, that's where I go. And usually the peace is in a decision that is outside of my comfort zone. Go and do this. Go and say this. Go and give this. That God is in that moment. That if you want to get out of a storm, then you need to find out where the peace is, what the Scripture says, and move toward the peace. And the quicker you move toward the peace and say yes to whatever that answer is that God provides to you, the quicker you'll be out of it. Romans chapter 16, verse 20. I love this scripture. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. I don't know where you're at and what you're going through, but here shortly, standing on these truths, standing on the Word of God, He is ready and willing to crush Satan under his feet and under your feet in whatever situation you're going through. And the last thing that I have, the truth of this story is prepare for the next storm. Pastor Eric has said it many, many times, and I'm not a fan of it, but boy is he accurate when he says it, that the possibility of your current situation right now is broken into three options. You're in a storm, you're leaving a storm, or I'm sorry, you're on the verge of entering a storm. So we better know how to overcome all storms. If that is the pattern of life, that right now you might be in the middle of a storm. Praise God, God has moved and He's brought you out of a storm, but life is so unfair that there's probably a storm on the horizon that you might not even know about. And we see in Matthew chapter 7, and I'm finishing with this. I've got two more scriptures. We hear this before. Therefore, whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built the house on the rock. And when the rains descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. It did not fall. Drop down to verse 28. It says, and after Jesus had said this and ended these sayings, it says that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them 
as having one with authority. The authority that he's preaching about building your life on his rock is the same authority that he used when he stood on the bow of the boat and commanded that storm to be stilled. It's the same authority that now resides inside of you to help you through every storm in every situation. These truths are truths that I lean on in my own life to overcome every storm. But you need to evaluate the storm, use your voice, follow the peace out of the storm, and prepare for the next storm. 2 Timothy 2.7, I'm finishing with this. Paul says to his son of the faith, consider what I say, put this to the test. The next storm that you're in, whatever you're struggling with, whatever's going on, try one of these truths going forward. And if it doesn't work, then may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word that will not return void. We thank you that you are helping people overcome all storms. Because now more than ever, do the sons of faith and the sons of God need to stand up and prove to the world that God is alive, that God is on our side, that God is fighting for us, God's already given us the victory, God is already ready and willing to help us in the storm. Father, you know each and every person here and the storms that they are going through, the storms that they see on the horizon. Or Father, they're just tired and weary from coming out of a storm. They're soaking wet and they're trying to figure out how they survived. God, I just ask for peace in your presence to reside in that situation. In whatever place that they're in when it comes to storms, that you allow these truths to manifest and be seeds in their life, that whenever they encounter a storm again, this is what will rise up inside of them. It won't be fear. It won't be failure. It won't be running away from God, but it'll be running to him and asking him for guidance and wisdom. Father, I thank you for these people. I thank you for this word. Thank you for this opportunity to preach in front of your people that we will see miracle signs and wonders in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.